ballad from Tijuana, and one last taco, a beef stew masterpiece from Tacos Fito, where the taquero slings the stew across his outstretched arms from the ladle in his right hand to the taco in his left. That ballad the band played there, it's a cover of a song by Los Invasores de Nueva León, a popular Norteño group of the 80s and 90s who had huge cross-border appeal. The wall, it cannot stop tacos, it can't stop music, it can't stop drugs or guns, and it certainly cannot stop art. So, on my last day, I went back over the border to San Diego, where I met up with Tijuana-based artist Paola Villasenor, better known as Panca. I feel like you have seen her work, or at least, if you have seen it, you remember it immediately and forever. Vibrant, hallucinatory hearts with triangle noses and stony eyes. Horned monsters regurgitating a river of floating heads into each other's mouths across a pink triangle border wall. Her murals are ingenious, entrancing, disturbing, narcotic. It was only fitting that we met at Clover, a new dispensary across the train tracks from Mission Hills in San Diego, where Panka was working on two signature murals before its grand opening. The kind people who run Clover did not have drinks for us, but they did have some very, very dank weed that seemed like just the right choice for the occasion. Now, a lot has happened since we recorded this episode. COVID has happened, for one, to all of us, but it's been particularly cruel to Panca and her family. Her father, Hector Manuel Villasenor, died from the disease this January. I will tell you a little bit more about him with some updates on his daughter Panca as well after this interview. This is Nathan Thornburg, and from Roads and Kingdoms, you're listening to The Trip, smoking, for this episode at least, with exceptional people around the world. All right, so tell me where we are. Uh, we are at Clover uh, Dispensary. It's um, prior to its opening. Uh, but yeah, we're pretty much in the top part of the building of the new dispensary, which I've been working on a couple of murals here. How does a mural like that get started? How does a job like that come up? Uh, it actually came up because we have a friend in common, uh, my friend Tony T, who uh, is a, a friend in common between me and George. And he told him, hey, you know, I'm looking for some artists. And he had seen my work. And so he kind of said, hey, can you get me in contact with her? And so he did. And he let me know, you know, this guy's going to do this. He, he's really interested in your work. And that's usually how it happens, or through like Instagram, or somebody will write me. But yeah, he just said, "Hey, he gave me free, you know, whatever you want, do do this, just go for it." And so, man, that's how it happened. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I was checking out the mural that you have down there. It's a pretty remarkable work, and seems like very. It's like, it's like your ideas, right? I mean, yeah, it's so in your style, and and there's it's not like branded. No. No, no, it was just, and I, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I kind of had an idea, 
but it kind of just came out as I went along. So it, it feels really, really cool to see it now and be like, oh, all right. I guess that's kind of starting from the finish line, but it, part of me wants to know like how widespread your work has gotten throughout Mexico because I feel like, uh, in particular Mexico, but I guess also up here, I feel like I'd seen it you know, in various places yeah. at, when I've been around Mexico before. Definitely in Tijuana, it's well known. Tijuana is like my backbone fan base you know, forever and ever. And I think that, um, you know, anywhere along the border, it very, you know, the whole binational thing. Uh, Mexico City, I don't really know how much people know me there. I do have, a, I did have a couple of murals. I don't think they're up anymore. Um, and I've sold some work. I have some clients, but, and people obviously from um, Tijuana that have moved there and stuff and all that and word of mouth. But, and I have some murals up in Aguascalientes, and I've been to Tulum a lot, and I know a lot of people in Tulum. So I don't know how much people really know about me in Mexico, aside from Tijuana, and I don't yeah. know. But uh, according to my Instagram standards, <laughs> right? You no, know, I mean I have no idea. I think it's more of like a bi- like you know cross border thing, like LA, yeah, San Diego, Tijuana and the other north part of the border. So why or or how does like being cross border figure into your work like why does it speak to that group in particular just because the whole the binational lifestyle i think um definitely resonates with them maybe not so much to people in the south but people who are just into the style i just say whatever but the whole i do paint a lot of binational like you know topics you know whether it's the border or crossing or waiting or you know all that stuff that involves. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we could just get into that. You were you were right there today, yeah. right? You yeah. were like, I had dealing yeah. with the shittiness of the, that part of this life. What yeah. happened? Well, today I was like, there was like a eighty percent chance that I wasn't going to be here today because it was it was just kind of a day where I didn't expect there to be that much border, and it was like really hot. So I went to one border, and it was ridiculous. So I said, okay, let's try the other one, and I went to the other one, and it was worse. So I said, you know what? The other one has a roof, so I might as well just stay there. So I walked back, but you know, in the tra- you know, in that time, you're just yeah. burning in the sun. So That's I was, nuts. So you were going from Ped West to San Ysidro. Yeah, yeah. Like, but then the cool part of it is like right when you cross the border in Ped West, there's like a bus, and the bus driver literally like blasts like old Mexican music. He's like a calafia, and he. He he also takes pesos, so he I didn't have I didn't have enough pesos to be honest. I was like, sir, he's like, don't worry, you always use this thing, and it's twenty pesos. So literally, wow. I gave him like eighteen pesos, and he was like, jump on, and he like played this old music, and he crosses you to the other side, and he took me to, to like Wells Fargo. So it, he's kind of like like a little like border angel. <laughs> and that's his route. He's just yeah. like rocking the border and old music, and it's mostly like older people. They're making the best of the situation, you know, as they can. Um, Little things from Tijuana that slip into the U.S. Right. It's like you have the city bus, but also this. Well, and, you know, that stuff about the border crossing being jammed up today, it's like, that's a serious part of life. It's like you just can't count on shit getting done. Yeah. Right? You have to plan ahead. Um, I mean, you have no idea how many family, like, reunions or my family's in San Diego and I'm the one that's always late. And they're like, oh, you know, and they just don't understand. And then when they come one day and they, they cross and they're like, oh, my God, we did five hours. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I deal with. Like, you never know when it's going to be crazy. So you kind of have to just prepare. 
Yeah, and you know, I was, we were talking about it before, but there were a couple people who were kind of hollering in line when I was walking through this morning. Oh yeah, it's or this afternoon. Anxiety central. Yeah, and they're just like, "Come on, move it," you know. Yeah, and, it's because uh, some people are just like, uh, like looking into the the abyss because they you just get bored, you know, or distracted. And then some people, to be honest, there's the cutters. And dude, they had signs like anti-cutter signs, no, which I haven't seen out of like a school. I got in I went forever. to jail in Mexico in Tijuana because I got confused for well, this guy I I went I would always cross before I was full time art. I was a barista, and so I had I would wake up super early, and this was when the border was like four hours walking, so this was like he, like super bad, like two thousand and four. No, I'm sorry, two thousand and eight, two thousand and ten, around that time, and man. I remember that they confused me with this group of people that had cut and I had I had not cut. I get super pissed when people cut. And they like this cop like kinda like pulled me, but he like really pulled me to the point where I tripped and I fell and I got super mad. I had all this like anxiety at the moment. And, oh shit. I'm and, sorry. And no, it was really funny in the end because I did the stupidest thing in the world. I ended up spitting at the cop. And he well, well, the thing was that he was kind of aggressive, and so I, that's the only thing I thought about doing. And Just he, defending your shit, yeah, right? He arrested me, and so I went to jail. And I called my my boyfriend, and he's like, "Oh wow, I'll get you right out." And so when I, he got me out in like thirty minutes, and it was like twenty dollars, <laughs> so it was really worth it. And I called my work, and I told them I spit at a cop. I couldn't go to work, and they're like, "It's okay." <laughs> That's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, like, nobody's phased by it. Yeah, no, no. It was it was kind of an experience. But that's the thing about cops, and you can't really fight with them in TJ because it's it's a whole social dynamic thing. You know, it's just you can't get smart with them because they're just gonna it's just gonna get really bad. So you always have to just kind of you know go with it in the best way you can. And I didn't. I lost my cool there. So yeah, that's probably not how they draw it up. I guess yeah. in, in the sort of not antagonizing the cops. Yeah, but handbook spit on them's not in there. Oh, it got bad. But that that's that's the worst. For the most part, I have like really good relationships with cops, if, even at the border when they tend to be kind of rough and you know ask yeah. a lot of questions. It's just you gotta after years of experience, you just know how to like get out of there without you know going yeah. to the back <laughs> you just not, try not to take it personal yeah pretty and much see like and understand that their job isn't that that funny there to be honest they're standing all day it's so funny because they they just have a lot of power over people's day and their lives and and yet it can all come down to how they're feeling personally you know yeah that's the one thing i always think um whenever I, i've seen one get into a confrontation i think this person has a life and they have problems and they have stress and they're probably taking it out on all of us and also they have to doubt literally every single person that comes by and if you happen to fit that little tiny you know box of what they think is not no well you know so the the tattoos and the brownness doesn't help <laughs> yeah i don't know i think if you always tell the truth and you're kind of just doing your thing I, I kind of don't sweat it too much. Well, that's fucking convenient because even if you did sweat it, you couldn't change it, right? So I know. It's like it's ugh. very helpful to be able to kind of roll with it. Yeah. Just, yeah. I've noticed Ped West is a lot less problematic with me. I, they're just really nice. I don't know. So they, <laughs> they probably appreciate your hustle running I'm, back I'm and forth. I'm knocking on this wall because it is wood. <laughs> that's right. Knock yeah. on wood that the good relations will continue. Mm -hmm. um, Peace at the border. So 
Well, let's go back to to the start. You uh, this transnational stuff, or you're talking about, is like well earned. Like you were born in Chula Vista. Yes. Here, kind of in San Diego, and you live now in Tijuana, and you've always just been both places. No, actually, I was thinking about that yesterday. Um, I actually now have lived the exactly the half of my life in Chula Vista. And the other half, I'm 30, I'm going to be 34 in, in a couple months. So I'm, oh, right. so I moved um, to Tijuana when I was like, I don't know, 18, 19, like permanently 19. So, I mean, I don't know if that's half, but that, yeah, that's you're getting per- real close. on That's it. close. And um, it makes me think, you know, because I mean, I grew up in Chula Vista. My family is from Cuernavaca and Mexico City. So they're immigrants. And um, I didn't have the very much of a tj san diego life it was more like chula vista san diego to mexico city cuernavaca every summer every christmas you know that was my link to mexico right and so it was very different style than very different very different sound accent you know just chilango and my parents did try really hard to like make us travel um as kids because they were kind of realizing that they were being i mean not americanized but pretty much that we you know we were starting to have little accents and all the typical things you know that happened and so they wanted us to kind of like always have that and i i really loved it and so i even think that's why i moved to mexico as an adult because i was kind of enchanted by it that's interesting god that's so crazy because we're kind of trying to do the same thing with uh, our kids my wife and i just like sending them down to mexico as much as we can mm-hmm. like making sure that they stay connected as mixed race kids like they're not it's not like a full-on experience but it's something that like we're super interested in them building yeah uh, they seem a little more resentful of it than i think it sounds like you were yeah uh, your experience was well as a kid i I, there, I did hate certain things like i was like it's i was a typical you know little jerk yeah it's mouths and and also i was in mexico before nafta so i do remember just like being like where's there a mcdonald's and like you know my grandma didn't have a phone and she had a parrot and she didn't have a phone and i was like you know <laughs> nice job grandma the, yeah the, yeah i was like how can you not have a phone this is dangerous <laughs> she's and, like i got a parrot it's yeah, okay she's like it's good yeah i'm on the fourth floor and so just like for me there was like a lot of things i couldn't do in the u.s that for me my, my grandma would tell me hey she would give me go give me cigarettes and a, a coke bottles and she would give me money and just be like go down the road and i was like oh my god in the u.s this could not happen i would get picked up by child services as they saw me with cigarettes and for one coke yeah. bottles and so yeah. so it was kind of cool and you know that's stuff that i i kind of still think about you know i want to move to la eventually and i think oh my god i'm not going to hear that the miles guy and i'm like of course i'm going to hear that the miles guy it's la <laughs> I mean, why not move to Cuernavaca or, you know, Mexico City or something? I did move for a while. Okay. I moved for a year to Mexico City. And the thing about Mexico City is, one, um, it's uh, it's amazing. You know, I, I work, but I worked there as a waitress, like as, with Mexican wages. And I, I lived in Condesa before it got super expensive. I had a good time. But I also, I don't do good in that height level and that kind of, contamination and that level of like extreme workflow there's a buttload of people there and i love it i love to visit but i can be there for tops two weeks and then i you know i start getting nosebleeds every day and and i think it's just something from my childhood i I got asthma when i was there so every time i get there i get just like some kind of reaction so i i need to like visit 
but I can't see myself living there. Um, and also, I'm really scared of earthquakes. And after that big one, I'm not about to go stay. <laughs> I would just be like really anxious all the time. Well, you're really painting a picture of Mexico City. <laughs> no, I here. Let it me is. let me clear it. Mexico City is like every time I go there, I have that moment where I go, "What if I move here?" Yeah. I, I do, that happens every time because it's enchanting and it's beautiful and. But no, I I get it. There's there's a lot of truth in what you're talking about with uh, for living like yeah. And as an artist, it's yeah. really cool also. But I'm more interested um, in L.A. in the north, and that's kind of where I feel that. Um, yeah, but it's it's definitely between Mexico City and LA. Those are my my booze, you know. Yeah, yeah, All definitely right. those. Yeah. I mean, I guess when I heard you talk or I read an interview you'd given uh, at some point, you would, had talked about getting into Tijuana and then having, uh, I guess there was like health crisis. Basically, what happened is when I was ending high school, my mom got breast cancer, so. While everyone was kind of like getting ready for high school, like college and stuff, I was like totally out of it and just like doing that. So I kind of ditched the whole like trying for college and I just always felt like that wasn't really what I was going to do. I did get into like city college and I studied Chicano studies and stuff, but I just was I was interested in politics. And that's actually kind of the first thing that drove me to like put up art. But I was all about like taking care of my mom. And so eventually when my mom passed away, I inherited her house, but it was in like the middle of the economic house crisis. And so pretty much everything fell apart and I stayed in my house in, in Chula Vista until I could. And then eventually it was like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like 19 and dumb. And so pretty much I, that's when I bolted to Tijuana. So it was, it was a definite like like downfall of my life as a spoiled kid to just being kicked into reality and being like you have nothing and start figuring out how you're going to make a life for yourself so I was like okay so it wasn't right away that I thought oh I'm going to be an artist I mean I partied for like six years but in that time I met so many people that were just like do it yourself yeah like dedicated artists musicians and that's what's really cool about tijuana that they're all mingling so literally that started as kind of a social connection for you it's like you know while you were were you baristaing or you know whatever phase that was in work you were hanging out with artists and kind of through that getting a sense of like oh this is attainable like yeah well i was i was partying and this was the same time that tijuana was extremely dangerous so my family that was in San Diego was like, you know, we're worried, you know, and I also had a couple things, you know, with safety happened to me and stuff. And I went to New York. My family sent me to New York for about, they were just trying to get me out. They thought I was losing it. And I really, I wasn't. I was just kind of just finding out what, what I wanted. And they sent me to New York and I was in New York and I saw street art there and I was super influenced. I was, you know, I went to museums and I saw uh, Maya Hayek's work for, for the first time and it influenced me just to know, you know, she was a woman and all this stuff. And I was like starting to get, I was like, huh. I took some stickers from a radio station that uh, exists in Tijuana and I put them up. And I remember thinking, this should be my work I'm putting up. And I thought, I need to go back to Tijuana. And I know every single wall that people walk by that I'm going to put a, a, a mir- uh, wheat paste up. And then I started getting the idea. So then I thought, Tijuana has been untouched for like eight years. Like nobody's done anything aside from the graffiti. So I just, it seemed like the right time. And I just pretty much just got the guts up to do it and run out in the middle of the night 
with other guys that I ended up meeting that were like, hey, we're doing this too. And that's kind of how it sprung up. And why, why, was, why did Tijuana not have that before? Um, there's, there's like a gap. You know how it tends to happen? There's like a, a big booming. There was a, a big boom with Norte and Nakamonchi and a bunch of amazing artists during the time. And then it was kind of quiet for a little bit. And then that's kind of when, when I was already, you know, aware of those artists, but I was just kind of sponging, 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 like watching and observing and wow, you know, and they were always very uh, connected to the community still. You know, they didn't get famous and then take off. They, they stayed, you know, they would play at bars and I knew them personally. So it got to a point where um, a lot of them would see me kind of in a depression and they, they would tell me, hey, um, do me a, a painting make a painting for me and i'm like okay and then i they'd be like dude this is really good and so eventually i started getting recommended by other places and eventually businesses and there was a really big party scene at this bar called la chupiteria and they asked me hey do you want to do the mural and i said sure and that was like super crazy the mural and so it was just like kind of it turned into like the experience of being there and yeah so so it's like that's why people go well people it's, hang it's the, not, a, it's not around anymore but uh-huh. it was part of it you know it was just like oh my god the mural and everything you know it was it was cool i mean i worked on it forever and like while the party was on like on the thing and everything so it kind of went with the spirit of the place these people were kind of trying to help you out by pushing you into making more art oh and they still are pretty like, rad yeah, yeah now they're my some of them are my business partners and like right now i got suggested to to this to, to this place throughout one of those people that, you know, we still, yeah, we're all still connected, you know. Let's say you had stayed in Chula Vista. Yes. And that's just the life that you had with connections to Mexico. Yeah. Like, what would your art be like? I think what would have happened, and this was what was already happening, I was already starting to go, like, to the Che Cafe and to, like, I was already finding my way to, like, the alternative. But it was more, it was all, like, Chicano, Chicano, Chicano. And growing up, my parents, not that they were against Chicano, but they were always about, we're Mexican. We're not Chicano. You're Chicano because that's what they call you, but you're freaking Mexican. And so they didn't like that because where when we first lived in Chula Vista, it was kind of a bad area. And it had a negative connotation at the moment, or maybe they saw it that way. I don't. But uh, it took me a while to kind of like appreciate what that meant and understand it. And uh, I think my parents uh, kind of pushed that down on me. Like, no, you're Mexican and you're also American. That's it. And then growing up, I had this cultural crisis where I realized I'm Mexican. I want to go back to Mexico. And I was super pissed about Bush also. Yeah. That had a lot to do with it. Yeah, that can be a real catalyst. That was actually why. That's actually like maybe 40% of because he had just gone reelected. And I was super into the movement and i was like yeah i'm done i was like Bleh. so that had a lot to do with it too i mean you, of course you know all the people that are like i'm leaving the fucking country now that trump's elected or if he yeah. gets reelected or something but like you kind of actually were able to do that yeah no and actually the first mural that i ever put up in tijuana and it's still up is actually a fuck bush uh spray and it's still up oh yeah yeah it's the weirdest oh, thing man. I don't, it's like 
like 12 years old maybe that would i you know i would kind of like walk by that and get a little misty-eyed you know yeah, <laughs> like my, for nostalgia it, and it's somebody's house it's weird and my friend does a tour and he takes people to it all the time i'm like dude people haven't like sprayed over this that means that they but little did i know like now when i see the trump thing i'm like dude like fucking trump like like you know i mean the the bush yeah you know, trump is so much worse <laughs> he does seem a lot worse uh although i don't know I yeah. do remember being real fired up about this Bush stuff. And really, yes. listen, like, fuck Bush is like an eternal and timeless metaphor. I guess denouncing Bush is just never going to feel old. No, no, no. It doesn't matter if he's doing great paintings of, like, soldiers right now. I still think of, like, him reading that book and just being like, the Like, oh, yeah. Jesus, yeah. All the war. Mm-hmm. Just so much war. So, I don't know. So, it stayed up. Yeah. And we'll and now they're pretty soon they're gonna put the plexiglass over it and like <laughs> conserve it uh as a work of uh Tijuana art. Um yeah. but you know, it's funny, like the um the act of going out on the street and doing this weed paste. Yeah. It's pretty illegal. Oh, super illegal, yeah. There was a lot of risk into it. Just one with obviously the cops. But I had kind of learned the schedule. By this time, I had learned the schedule that the cops did like a change and shift around. Hold on. <laughs> that's like a big train. <laughs> that's real audio right yeah, there, that's man. Real. The coaster is coming by. <laughs> uh, basically, it was, um, you know, uh, dodging the police. And also, TJ was hella sketchy. And just being like a girl, like, like running around. Like in that time, I had like, these little shorts and these boots and just like all stupid. And like thinking I was naive, you know, and I would run out. And eventually I started going out with some other homies that would kind of show me the ways like, okay, I'll watch out for you while you put up. And then we'll, we did a bunch of runnings away and then coming back and putting it up again and all that. But we learned and yeah, it was, it was kind of like a, a rush. But at that time I was getting like a bunch of tattoos and just like, I think I was at that age where I was just kind of trying to get a lot of me out and it was pouring out of me in that way. And I mean, I guess that's good. I could have been doing stupider stuff, you know, but yeah um, but but and it was but it was worth it and all of these things that you say about mexican it got me police and yeah yeah but then it got me into problems with the graffiti guys because because that was my other problem because the graffiti guys want the same turf and it's nuts yeah you're always just like covering up their shit yeah. or they're spraying yeah. over yours or they just they did they see some new chick and they're like why is this chick getting all this attention and, and media and all this and we're getting like shunned and you know rested and she's getting like articles and so they also wanted their their time in the sun and so they a couple of them confronted me like hey we want to paint with you because i wasn't part of a crew and eventually i told them they were kind of aggressive about it and i was like you know what preferably not i'm not really about that i don't want to like paint with any crew and start you know throwing up signs and then having this these wars in the street and they took it super bad and that same night they came to my my penthouse i was in the penthouse and they came down and they threw like rocks up to my window and were like hey and they they like signed the wall that i had made on my penthouse garage and just there it started like a two-year war with just like these graffiti cholos (laughs) jesus christ so that is actually the best thing that happened to me because it it, how on earth could that be true because it, it ended up scaring me so much and just annoying me to the point where i walked around with the knife and, and I just thought, this is so unnecessary. These guys all have, like, you know, their right to want to paint with me, but also they're probably a little too aggressive, and I don't know what's their deal. And machista. I would see signs. They would say, you know, are you sueltas? Or, which is, like, kind of, like, 
like lose like give up yeah whatever yeah or or get out and so it was just like every single mural i would do would get covered up in like an hour damn but it ended up motivating me to to start hitting up museums and that's so crazy like how would you how could you possibly do art with like a super machista group oh yeah and (laughs) i had a couple of friends that were in the the circles and they would tell me all the cheese and they'd be like oh you know what this is going on like you you know this they said this and they just they're all this and i'm like oh man and eventually i said this isn't gonna stop and it got to a point where there was some fights and you know i would go to a show and all these cholos would come up to me and i was like oh but it, it ended up ending in a good way where a lot of them had some bad situations i later found out and i just reached out to the museums and the museums ended up taking me in and and that's been the best thing for me because now i don't see underpasses and drool you know, I used to be like, oh, my God, I have to paint that thing. And it's like nobody was going to paint one, pay me for that. Two, I was going to risk my life and lots of other things. And now I just stick to more formal. I can do some street art every once in a while. I do it if I if I have my can with me and everything. But it'll be for fun. Yeah. It, it won't be to you know risk it. I already have the street credibility. I don't really need to go back and and do that again but i do how, do it how long ago was that period where you were like hardcore out in the streets i think it was somewhere between oh man i hate the dates somewhere between 2009 and 2014 yeah not not all of those were really great years in crime no it was Tijuana. the worst it's it was crazy. the worst no yeah definitely it was the worst right now it's actually worse but it doesn't it's not the same it's different and you don't miss that kind of adrenaline rush of doing art that way? No, I get the same adrenaline rush here with stress. It's just like, like now it's like, oh my God, I have to get this done because I have all these clients on top of me that are expecting this of me and I want to, I want to live up to the expectation of my own self and what I do and, and I always want to like go further. So now it's just like I've transferred that rush into like a more responsible kind yeah. of you know, work thing. That but is, I still get it, definitely. Yeah. Like that, that's a that's a very. Uh, or when I have a show, you know, I'm just like, ah, you will know. Like people know me, like my assistants that are like, whoa, like you're the. <laughs> but yeah. What it what it yeah that says some dark things about uh, kind of <laughs> getting older too that you're replacing an adrenaline rush for like just stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still like get tattoos and stuff, but now I like eat well and like have a vitamin and a probiotic beforehand, <laughs> and like you know, I still have fun, but at the same time, like. I also have to like, you know, I take this more seriously, I guess. And now that it's a serious career for me, you know, down back then I was like, maybe this is going to happen. I'm, wow. just, I'm doing all of this. And now it's like, no, this is what I'm doing. So I have to like keep it going. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I, I mean, you can kind of see feels like, oh, it's inevitable, you know, yeah. that, that you would be able to make a career out of this. But that's not no. that's, you really can't take that for granted. No, no, no matter how what the talent is. I always think like me and the guy that sells, you know, corn on in the bucket for you, you know, the elote guy, he, maybe I have talent, but maybe that guy has more work ethic and discipline. So screw me. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be like that guy. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, uh, that's, that's definitely, yeah. sounds like a good way to keep it humble, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. What are you actually doing for the museums? I have a show in February at Bread and Salt. So pretty much uh, that's like a solo show. That's like a huge amount of work because it's like a pretty big giant room. I have to fill it and it has to be good and also it has to sell. 
and also it has to be like an updated version of what i'm doing that's the install but you also have to like prior i'm doing a book because i have all these photos that i find in tijuana tijuana is like the dumpster of the u.s when it comes to like goodwill and all that so there's a lot of albums that i've found that have just like photos of who knows why they yeah. exist and i i've kind of done this installation in the photos and their faces and so we're gonna do a book and oh, no that's, shit. that's gonna be available at the show so i've never done a book before that's really exciting the subject reminds me of vero mahano in san francisco who we, was an artist we had on who's like going i think it was like the mission media archive yeah uh just kind of going through all old footage and like just being creating these very interesting historical you know yeah. documents oh uh, yeah me it's just a lot of like um wondering because i just find these albums with like i always wonder like okay so is this dad and why did the why did the album here did did they break up did they did he die like what happened where did this end up here who is she okay is that the uh, like it's like oh you you just kind of want to wonder you know and at first i felt bad about drawing on the pictures but then i thought dude they're in a like a swap meet just in the sun like i'm giving them life so it's kind of like a a whole process of like feeling bad and then at the same time kind of being like okay these are are total totally forgotten and let's see what we can do with this and who knows you know <laughs> i don't know but it, it's it's been a bit of a like a inner inner work in doing that because I, I didn't know how comfortable i felt with it until i realized that they were just you know old photos and they, they were out in the culture already yeah they were they were gone you know whoever put them out they just they didn't want them or they just yeah left them or something these pictures are like 1960 70 so they're like really weird you know like just people going on cruises and just you know i think one of them was like all these prostitutes on the cruise and then there's like this old couple and then there's like these girls it's really weird but it's cool uh, i can make up my own story of what happened there <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is too is like just going and finding like all right this is the best possible explanation uh, yeah, yeah. For, uh, i don't know how much text the book will have but it's just gonna have more i'm gonna emphasize on the like the people like the, the forgotten people that are in this book and that happen to to be there and maybe why and you know that but um i actually have one more meeting uh well not meeting but i have to go to this the swap meet one more time to find more photos and um, throw them in there. But, yeah, I have to get on that. Uh, that's <laughs> such a different beast than the painting, you know, murals that you do, right? Like, Yeah. This is actually, yeah, this is like finding, this is like the scavenger part. And then, you know, the sitting down and doing the faces is, is actually the fun part. Really fun. doesn't take that long. It's It's really interesting. But the scavenging part is way, way, like, that's the... That's the real work. And it's kind of like the wheat pasting, right? It gets you out in the streets a bit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, I have to go into these, like, weird places. Not that weird, you know, but it's like, hey, you have photo albums? Like, you kind of look weird, you know? You're like, yeah, yeah. give me the photo albums. <laughs> um, but, you know, that way to stay connected to, like, the community when, when your work is abstract and it's not representational or anything. Yeah. So, like you, like, you find ways to build it into your art. Yeah. Right? That you're just, like, on the streets of Tijuana, like, yeah. going and mobbing and getting it done. <laughs> Yeah, it's Tijuana is very do-it-yourself. I, I think one of the things you had also mentioned, I mean, just in terms of like what brought you down there is the fact that you can live so much more cheaply and if, you, know, you get that freedom, you know, from financial independence and mm -hmm. stability that you can do art and yeah. do it cheap in a way you could not fucking do in Los Angeles. No, no, but it's weird because Tijuana used to be so cheap, but now it's not. <laughs> 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know that LA is more expensive, and that's why I'm not there yet. But the thing is that Tijuana is up there. I mean, I what I pay, I think I would pay it for a tiny studio in LA. But like Tijuana's up there now. Like, wow. Okay. Unless you're gonna live in like you know the butt crack of TJ, you're you're gonna pay above five hundred dollars. No more two hundred, three hundred dollar rents. Wow. Unless you want to live somewhere funky. Yeah. You know, it's like you're you're gonna pay above five hundred, like no matter what, and that's that's what I and I mean if you want to be safe and me as a woman everything you know I have all these animals I need a yard, right? So like I I've found I've been lucky to find a little nook where I feel safe, but yeah, it is it is up there a little more. You know, it did go up. What are you seeing in Tijuana that's like changing for in the art scene? I mean, obviously, you've been on this pretty big journey uh, with the different kinds of art that you're doing. But, like, is it is it was the heyday like ten years ago? Is it going to be ten years in the future? How how's the art scene now? Well, there was like a gap for a while. There was like a lot of muses, a lot of people kind of just like a lot of models, but there wasn't really like content coming out. And I've noticed that a lot of those people that were just kind of just like you know, messing around, a lot of them kind of started taking things a little more seriously. And whether it's noise or, you know, jazz or j- jazz clubs that are opening up or just like, you know, beer, beer taps, uh, those place beer. Um, There's room, a lot of fucking artisanal. beer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, food, you know, people opening up, opening up spaces for galleries, taking it a little bit more serious. And also the artists, I noticed a lot of, there was a lot of people that were like little fans when I was like, maybe like five years ago and those kids now because i followed them when they followed me i look at their work and i'm like holy shit these guys are really good and they're really really going for it and they're very young so i i'm already starting to like ask them to come to festivals and to be considered for things because they're they're going for it so there there's i see the talent that was kind of like you know stagnant for a while kind of they were too young or something but now they're all blooming. A lot of them are kind of just going for it. So I see a lot of potential right now. That's of crazy. Artists. Yeah. So it's a whole next crop. It's like yeah, this up. Is the next crop is coming maybe in this. It's already happening. And this year and next year, you're going to see. Well, you're going to see like a lot of it um, pop up. Yeah. And everything in music and the scene is just I mean, yesterday I was out on a Sunday and it looked like a freaking Friday. I mean, it was a festive night, but it's just uh, there's a lot of violence in Tijuana, but it's so odd at the same time the the you know the subculture life to go out and all that stuff is super blooming i mean that's the way it was when it yeah. first happened and just that's when everything popped it's not a direct correlation between violence and going out like people yeah, are kind of it's just it's it sucks but it's it's poor people that are involved in any type of meth or drug thing and they happen to be around when something goes down and they're there and it's bad it, but it's everywhere so the, the weird thing is that I've been to places where somebody got shot and the bar's upstairs and people are still partying upstairs and the body's down there with the blanket over it. Hot dog vendors right next to it. And it's kind of a... It's, we're just so used to it in Tijuana. You just yeah. see it all the time. Tijuana has, has made me... I was so naive when I moved here. And, and it's just so many things have happened where I'm just like, oh, okay. Oh, and yeah, I mean, I definitely... I don't want to stay there permanently because I think things will get thicker and harder. But I also am uh, amazed by its growth. Yeah. And, um, 
like the buildings have you noticed all the buildings yeah yeah i mean i live in an area where like there's just like eight buildings going up around me and it's cool to see all that but you know cities are always funded with like corruptions <laughs> so it's just it's just there's a there's a lot of money from everywhere and i have no idea all that but you know tijuana still is hot it's a hot place just i tend not to to go to those hot spots <laughs> i stay in my house you know i go eat i go have fun with my friends but to be honest i i don't play in the in the you know dark alleys anymore because i had enough experiences happen where i go oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, that's like, I mean, that's, you talk about a new crop too. I think those are, that sounds like important shit to talk about with them. And like, yeah. you know, like you were saying, people had showed you how to be safe and like work out in the streets or, you know, it's kind of a knowledge to pass on. And maybe the answer is like, don't go out in the streets. I don't know. No, go, I mean, go, <laughs> go out. I mean, that's, it's like, it's like kind of like if I was a parent, I was telling them, oh, don't go nowhere. You know, it's like, no, no, go out, just be smart. And I always tell the girls like, you know, the girl painters, I'm just like, hey, just be careful, you know, because you're, you know, you're one in a few and all the guys, you know, that's the way it is. And they're just going to want to like, you know, either push you down or push you to the side. And then also you just got to be smart, you know. Yeah. But to be honest, I haven't had too many of the girls complain with me. They just um, they're pretty smart. You know, they're these, these young ones are. Yeah. Are kind of ready. What do you think Tijuana is going to be like in five years if you. You may or may not be living there still. Yeah. I mean, I love Tijuana, but I think I will be mostly in L.A. and I will have something in Tijuana. I will always be connected to Tijuana. Uh, but I think that Tijuana will be much fuller yeah. with people from the U.S. That's be interesting. Because of the high prices in, in San Diego and in lots of parts. And I think that they'll see the convenience in living in, in Tijuana. And also from other parts of the world, just people from down, all the migration, there's going to be a lot of migration, all these things that are happening happening in the South South America. I just don't know why I feel like it has a lot to do with the U.S. Yeah. Get, getting their hands in there. And, for sure. And it definitely feels like it's their way of kind of pushing the migration up here for the bad situations down there. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't so know why. Really I just kind of squeezing you against the wall. And that's yeah. And you're just you know you walk around TJ and you just see people. You see you know people from from Iran and from everywhere and they're just kind of it's everything the Haitians. It's it's, it's a it's a big it's turning into like a Ellis Island kind of thing. It's kind of cool, and um, that's just going to be a lot of uh, different dynamics. Yeah, and, but, but what is what is Ellis Island if Manhattan doesn't let you in? That's you know? exactly it. Yeah, no, that, that's the thing. The thing that this is the problem in Tijuana that it's not really the the pro the violence is not really that the crossing the drugs it's that there's a lot of people that consume drugs in tijuana and so there's a lot of people that get deported a lot of people that are just lost and they're just walking around and the drugs are cheap so there's a lot of consumption and so now people that's why there's a lot of death and then the the people where you put the the dead people they're full and it smells and everything because none of them are identified and they're just like slingers and everything wow so there's a lot of uh drugs here in tijuana where um people are you know obviously dying because of the consumption in the city not because of the crossing right so there's like a war over the control. who gets to feed that appetite that's got to be a sign of some serious mental health crises you know in in tijuana with the migrant issues and the stress to get to the point where you're just like 
using heavy dope just to get through it. It all feels like very connected to the system that we've set up. Oh, yeah. No, and those are the things that why I sometimes stay in Tijuana because I, I like today I just walked to the border. I did the border and while you're waiting, you'll see these guys walk with these their face and their shoes with no laces and they have a bag and the bag it has their whatever their belongings are and it's like there you go sir welcome to the city some of them don't even speak spanish and a couple of men have just jumped off the bridge right away Fuck. and they're just like i don't know what to do and they know the city's rough and they're just out a couple of them i would hire them as my assistants when i would do paintings in the street and they were like i worked in a in the paint store and it's just make them feel worthy you know and kind of tell them hey don't stand here don't do here because they're gonna get you the cops are gonna see you you don't have an id you're screwed you know they make it really difficult for you to get an id so it's kind of like a loophole yeah and you know so it's not an easy welcome to a new country <laughs> has it changed your art i mean is your art getting tougher is it getting more dystopic is it are you you know approaching it the other way and it's like more positive or something or um i have two sides of me i have like like what i have downstairs it's like obviously it depends like i can't put that in here you know if that's i have like three paintings in my house that are like so heavy and so whoa that you're like whoa like this is about politics whoa this is definitely about this and this and this and violence and this and that but I, that's not something I don't really think I'm going to sell. I think right. I just made it. I did do this really cool painting about Trump and the wall and everything. And that sold, like, right away. And I think it's, like, now that I think about it, I'm like, I should have kept that. Because that's, like, a painting that, like, defines yeah. so many things. But it's, it's, it's fine. It's here in my head. <laughs> but at the same time, um, then there's the other side where it's, like, I'm trying to let out all these emotions and like you know feelings through color and stuff and that also kind of is is that at the same time but it's just less obvious so yeah i can go both ways um i have the show i have yeah. i have an artist residency at the children's museum and i have there it's where i have to split myself in too because i have i have to do things for children that are younger than 12 right and i have to leave all that craziness well not the craziness but the the you know dark stuff the dark craziness and i have yeah. to bring all the you know the cool color creative emotional language for children that i can connect with and make something cool for them and on my show i have to make something that's strong and also emblematic of what what i am and what i'm doing right now yeah i can't do what i did last two years so so it's like a totally different mental exercise. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's good because that's I have one side and I have the other, you know. I go out on a Saturday, but I also see my friend's kids on a Sunday. So. Right, good. Yeah, I mean, we're all very complicated beings. But your work in particular, it's just like, and the way you talk about it too, is like very clear you have a, a very straight idea of how to turn all of those thoughts into art yeah. and like, uh, express yourself in that way. I am very excited to put some of this work on uh, out on the channels and in the show yeah. notes or links to your stuff because oh, it's cool. so rad. It's so yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I had come in with this taxi and I had no that no fucking idea where we were. <laughs> you know, because it's kind of some warehousey, but it felt yeah, but it was it's kind of weird. A, There's nothing out here. Business yet. and then uh, you know I was kind of like oh shit. I guess this is not a place. It looks like uh, just not like where Punk is going to be. And then I just saw radiating through the doorway <laughs> your mural. And yeah, I was like, it. I was like, we're here. We're in the land of Panka. So <laughs> this is it. This is it. Um, that's uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me uh, into that radiant. There's piece. that train. 
Yeah. Do we uh, do we close out on the train? Yeah, we should. Well, you you it's your show. <laughs> The Trip from Roads and Kingdoms is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg. Alexa Van Sickle is our producer. Music by Dan the Automator. Episode illustration by Daisy D. Show artwork by Adele Rodriguez. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. Panka sent me some beautiful, heartbreaking notes about losing her father, Hector Manuel Villasenor, to COVID. And she wanted me to share a bit about him. I owe a lot of my drive to him, she wrote, the hardest working man I know. I'm thankful for my work ethic, thankful that he immigrated, thankful that he just let me be even though he didn't understand me. Shout out to everybody, she wrote, who had to deal with this in silence and just know that so did I. That via senor work ethic, well, it is still going. Just this week, Panka has two big projects coming up. She'll be painting on 420, naturally, at Clover Dispensary, where we recorded this episode. Also this week, she's going to finally start installing her new art project at the New Children's Museum in San Diego, putting a giant installation in that includes a 40-foot slide and more. More information in the show notes. This was our last week from Tijuana. Next up is Beirut, very far from TJ, but overflowing with many of the same desires. The desire to make a better city, a better country, be part of a better world. In Beirut, those desires led to a long-term revolution in the streets. Alexa and I went and saw it all in motion, albeit pre-COVID, in a world before the Beirut port blast. We will have five episodes from there with rappers, journalists, cooks, wine geeks, and indie publishers. We will meet you there.